Okay. When life doesn't go as planned, how many of you have had a day, a week, a month, years, that haven't gone as planned? I think we all have. We've all had that. On any given day, life can be different than how you planned, either good or bad. You could get in your car tomorrow, excited to go to work. It's Monday morning after a beautiful sunny day today. And you know what? Your car could have a flat. Or you could spill your coffee in your lap. There's so much that could go. Or the best thing could happen is you walk out on your porch and there's a gift for you. Isn't that fun? It could be good or bad, but life doesn't always go as planned. So when life gives you lemons, what do we do? We make lemonade. Let's go to this next slide. I found some slides for you. When, oh, this, mine looks awesome back here. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Let's go to the next one. When life gives you lemons, throw it back for chocolate. How many would agree with that? I love me some chocolate. Just throw it back. Next one, please. When life gives you lemons, squeeze them in people's eyes. You know what? We don't have to take it. Just squeeze it back in their eyes. Next one, please. When life gives you a bowl of lemons, find an annoying guy with paper cuts. Next one, please. When life gives you lemons like these, it's time to stop living next to nuclear reactors. <laughs> that is one huge lemon. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Next one, please. When life gives you lemons, sell them and buy shoes. I would so wear those shoes. to d- Maybe not today because it doesn't match, but those are amazing shoes. You know, we don't have to take lemons. We can sell them, buy some shoes. Next one. If life gives you melons, you may be dyslexic. (laughs) And then the next slide. When life gives you lemons. When life doesn't turn out the way you plan, what do you do? What do you do with that? How do you respond? How we respond when things happen to us is key the key thing I want to talk about today, and I found it so amazing today how we sang that song, God gives and he takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. What an attitude to have when life gives us lemons sometimes to make the very best out of it. No matter what, we're going to bless the Lord. We're going to look at a story that um, I have had such a good time getting ready for this because this is an incredible story. We're going to um, go to the book of Ruth. Go to the book of Ruth. It's not going to be on the screen, so you're going to have to dial it up. But we're going to look at um, the, the life of Ruth and Naomi. And again, guys, don't check out because this is so, so good. Um, but let's start. Ruth chapter 1, and I'm going to just kind of break down this first chapter. It's only four chapters. We're not reading them all. Don't get worried. I'm going to get us out of here in record time so we can go enjoy that sunshine. Amen? Okay, let's read Ruth 1, 1 and 2. And it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Malon and Chilion, and they were from Bethlehem, Judea. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. So we start this story out kind of on a bummer. There's a famine in the land. 
And so Elimelech is like, I've got to take care of my family. I've got to provide for my family somehow. So he decides to take his family and move them to Moab. Obviously, he had heard that there was not a famine there. And that sounds great. Providing for your family is great. It's what we need to do as parents, as moms, as dads, as family. But I just want to point out to you this, and even the commentators that I looked at about this scripture said that it does not say anywhere that God said to go. Like he has in other people with like Abraham, he said, I'm going to, I want you to go. I want you to leave where you're at now and I want you to go. Even with Jesus' father, Joseph, he says, I need you to go to a different land. I need you to leave this promised land and go to where I tell you to go. But we don't see that in this case. And they moved to the land of Moab. I don't know if you know this story, but the history of Moab is it came, it's a pagan nation and it began from the relationship between Lot, Abraham's cousin, and his oldest daughter. So some things happened there and the Moabites were formed. The Moabites were enemies of Israel. Enemies of Israel. So here they moved their family to provide to a land that was their enemy. And I just want to point this out. Sometimes we try to find the solution for our situation instead of waiting on God. And as we're going to see through this story, sometimes we can get out ahead of God. We can um, not even hear his voice, but yet make choices that get us out of God's will and get us, get us out of God's provision. I want to tell you today, God has a plan for each and every one of us. We just need to wait on him. So if you, are, if you find yourself in a situation that you don't know what to do, wait on God. Seek his face. Don't do anything until you hear from him. Amen. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I don't know about you, but I want God's perfect plan to work in my life, and I want it to work in your life too. Let's read on. In 3 and 4, it says, Then El... El Excuse me, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the son was Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. So not only do they move to this new place, her husband dies, and then her two boys marry Moabite women. I can promise you this, if they were living in Judah, the thought of marrying a Moabite woman would never have crossed their mind. Would never even have, they're like, that is something that they would never have done. And that's what the problem is. When we begin living where we're not supposed to live, compromise starts to come in. We start to live like the people we're living next to. We start to take on their culture. And this is something that they would never have done. They would never have married Moabite women. But here we find them marrying Moabite women. Let's look at Ruth 1, 5. It says, Then both Malin and Chilean also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So now we not only had all this other grief happen in 3 and 4, now in 5, she's lost her sons. She's lost all of her family. She's lost all of her financial support. And in a woman in that time period... That was your everything. Your family, your boys were the ones that supported you. That She's lost everything. And I don't know about you, but life doesn't always make sense, and it's not always fair. 
And I know there's people sitting in this room that are facing situations or have faced situations that you're still questioning today. It doesn't make sense. You may even ask God, why? Why has this happened? Years ago, uh, we lost um, a nephew at age two. And it was horrific thing our family went through. And I've asked God, God, I don't understand why. Now, this side of it, years later, I thank God that he's in heaven. I know he's in heaven. And you can find some peace and comfort in that. But you still ask why. God, why did that happen? A few years ago, we lost a really good friend of ours. And it still touches us today. Steve passed away out running, getting ready for a marathon. He was our best friend. He was an amazing man with integrity, loved the Lord, was working for the Lord. And you think, God, why? Why does that happen? And I don't know what your story is, but we just have to know God's in control. God's in control of all the things that we face. And it's not always fair. It doesn't always make sense. But Matthew 5.45 says this, For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know what? Sometimes bad things are going to happen to good people. And we're good people in here. And I know we've all experienced things that are not good. But we've got to trust our God. We have to trust our God's sovereignty that he is ultimately... He's the ultimate authority, and he knows what's best for us. So let's do a little recap. In five short verses, we had famine. We had this family move to a new country, a new home, new job, different beliefs. A husband dies. Sons marry Moabite women. Sons die. Widow, destitute. She lost everything. Happy Mother's Day. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Happy Mother's Day, people. But you know what? This is what's so exciting about this story. It doesn't end there. And you know what? No matter what you're facing today, it doesn't end today. Whatever you're facing this moment, whatever you faced last week, that's not the end. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And we just can't get out in front of him. And so let's finish this story in 6 through 22. We're going to read it. It says, Then she rose, Naomi, with her daughter-in-law, that she might return to the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and heard two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the, the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are you, are there still sons in my womb that you may be, may be your husband? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. I should say I have hope if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons. Would you wait for them till they have grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands, no, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to your people and to her gods. 
Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Not that she was being ugly. She just stopped arguing to not go back. That kind of reads funny. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So when life doesn't go as planned... When you're given a whole bowl full of lemons, what do you do? Unfortunately, at this point in chapter one, Naomi got bitter and blamed God. Have you been there? Have you just had something happen? It's like, God, I don't get why this is happening to me. And you get a little angry. You maybe get a little bitter. You blame God for what happened. In verse 13b, We see this says, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And then we see her heart again in verse 20 and 21. It says, don't call me Naomi. My name's Mara. I am bitter. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. So when things happen to us, what's our response? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it hate towards God? At this point, Naomi had lost hope. She had returned home empty-handed, and it had affected her countenance. Her attitude had changed, and her view of God had changed. Those unexpected things that come into our lives can change us if we let them. I know people that have gotten a diagnosis, and their life becomes a diagnosis instead of the God that can heal us. We're not the victim of divorce. We're not the victim of our childhood. We're not those victims. We're not those people. If we let God come in and do a work in us, or we can become bitter and angry and become those people. We can become those things. But I just want to encourage you when struggles and hardships come, don't make it who you are. Don't let it define you. But at this point, it had defined Naomi to the point where she's like, don't call me that name anymore. I'm Mara. I'm bitter. I'm angry. Naomi had forgotten who she was and who her God was. But this is an amazing thing. Ruth knew who her mother-in-law was and who her mother-in-law's God was. In verse 16 and 17, and this is probably pretty familiar. We hear it a lot. Entreat me not to leave you. She's like, I beg you not to, don't make me leave you. Don't make me go back to my father's house. Or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, big G, will be my God. Naomi in those 10 years had mentored Ruth. Naomi had shared her God with Ruth. 
Naomi had built a strong relationship with Ruth to the point that she did not want to leave it. She did not want to go back to what she knew in the past. She wanted to move forward with Naomi. And Naomi had built trust with Ruth. Ruth wasn't willing to go back to her father's house. She was sticking with Naomi. She believed in Naomi's God. And I just want to ask you this morning, do you believe in our God? Do you believe our God is bigger than the bowl of lemons you've been given? Do you believe that our God can do exceedingly abundantly above what even we can even imagine or think? Do you believe that this morning? I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the people that God brings into my life when I need that encouragement. When I need that, okay, pull your bootstraps up, let's get going. But when you're struggling, when you're having this little war with God about a situation, we need the people around us. That's why church is so important. That's why community is so important. Because we need each other to encourage us. We need each other to lift us up. We need each other to remind us the goodness of God. We need songs like today to say, our Jesus is the power to do anything that we have are facing today. That's why church is so important. That's why each other, our relationships are so important. And I am so glad that Ruth, that Naomi had a Ruth to go back to her homeland with and to encourage her. I just want to encourage you this morning, don't let bitterness and blaming God take root in your heart because it will change you. It'll change you for the, not the good, but for the bad. Don't let it come into your heart. The second thing that happens when life doesn't go as planned is we don't see God's provision. Over and over she said, and it's in verse 21, it says, I've returned empty-handed. All that Naomi could see was her empty hands. She couldn't see anything else but that. Somehow in our life's hardships and our struggles, our eyes get fogged, our eyes get scaled, and we can only see what's before us. We can only see the big mountain. We can only see the obstacle. We can only see the financial crisis. We can only see our kids doing what kids do. That, that's all we can see. All we can see is the health issues. All we can see is empty hands. Ruth was with Naomi journeyed with her, went back home to Judah, but all she saw was empty hands. Ruth loved her and was not leaving her, but all she saw was empty hands. Ruth was the provision for Naomi, but all she saw was empty hands. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Church, we can't even begin to understand what God has for us. Maybe just around the bend. Maybe just tomorrow. Maybe when we get out of this service today. We don't know what God has planned for us. We don't know the good things he's going to bring. He doesn't, we don't know the answers he's going to bring. But we got to open our eyes and begin to see it. We got to begin to see the good. We got to begin to see our God working in us and through us because he is. He is working. I think of the story of Abraham and Isaac, how God said, you need to go sacrifice your son. And he has got the knife and getting ready to go that downward thrust. He did not know that there was a ram coming up the other side. He did not know it. There's so many times that we don't know what God has planned, but it's just right around the corner and we can't give up. 
So let's go into chapter two and we're not going to read all this. I'm just going to give you a little synopsis of what happens. I encourage you to read this whole book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. It doesn't take, it's crazy stuff. I'm going to point some stuff out. Ruth chapter two. So at the end of one, it says they had just gotten back at the beginning of the Harley, Harley, the Harley bar list, the barley harvest. So Ruth went to work in chapter two. She went to work to provide for her and Naomi. She began to glean in the fields. And if you don't know what that means is after the harvesters go through a field, they would let the poor, the people that didn't have a way to provide for themselves to come behind them and pick up everything that was left. So that's what uh, Ruth began to do. She began to glean in the fields. But she got into the field of Boaz and caught Boaz's eye. I just want to say this. God You have caught God's eye. He knows right where you're at. And I just want you to know that today. God knows your situation. He knows right where you're at. He's got you in his sight. And don't forget that. But she she caught the eye of Boaz, who was a relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Isn't that a fun name? Elimelech. Just say it. Elimelech. It's fun. Um, Who was a relative of her father-in-law. And he gave her favor. This is what's crazy. I mean, this could be like a soap opera, these four chapters. So he, he gave her protection. He said, stay with my ladies. I'm going to protect you because bad things can happen because there's men out there. I'm going to protect you. And he also gave her extra grain. He just like filled her sack. He, she, he, she had just found great favor with him. So then we go into chapter three. And this is where, if this was my mother-in-law, I would have questioned her and said, you are crazy. You are crazy. Crazy. So Boaz was a relative and would qualify as a kinsman redeemer. And what that is, is he had the right as a, as a relative to buy everything that Elimelech had. So he could go and say, um, I'm going to buy your properties. I'm going to take all of that. And also with that, he would provide for his family. Elimelech's family. That's what a kinsman redeemer is. And so in chapter three, craziness, we're going to read it straight out of God's word so you don't believe, think I'm lying. Let's go Ruth three, one through five. There's children, plug their ears. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young woman you were with is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not, excuse me, but do not make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do next. That's crazy stuff, and it's in the B-I-B-L-E. So, Naomi knows that, this, that Boaz has given her favor, and she goes, I have a plan. Now, remember where Naomi was just a couple chapters ago, bitter, angry? I would be questioning who she's hearing at this point. I would need to know that this is God, but it, it was God. And in chapter four, 
I'll just give you, go read it. You're going to want to go read it now, aren't you? But this is what happens. Boaz is like, what's going on? And he's like, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. And he even had her go away early before everybody got up to protect her. Um, And then we go into chapter four. And Boaz goes to the city gate to redeem Elimelech's property. And what they find is that there was actually a closer relative than than Boaz. And so Boaz is talking to this feller and saying, you know what? Elimelech's property is here. Do you want it? He's like, yes, I want it. Yes, I want it. He just saw the dollar signs. He's like, oh, but you get Naomi and Ruth too. And he's like, um, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. And so Boaz goes, okay, good. I'll, I'll take that. And so he takes, he buys Elimelech's property and took Ruth as his wife. And this is what is so amazing as you would, all of these years, the 10 years that they had in Moab coming back, obviously this happened just in um, a harvest time. So it happened pretty quickly, but God had a plan. God has a purpose. And we see that no matter the bowl of lemons that we've been given, no matter what life throws at us, God has, God has something. God has a plan. God has something. And we see how Naomi came back bitter and angry. Joy had now returned to her. Let's look at chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. I just want to say this. This is what was very strange, is that both of these, both of Naomi's boys were married to these Moabite women for a while, and they had not had children. So there was barrenness going on there. But here they go in, Boaz and Ruth get married and get together, and there's conception right away. She bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Joy had returned. What, what Naomi wanted all along, this family, this the way for her family to go further had happened. And it happened in such a strange, strange way. It happened in a way that would not even have happened had it been not God orchestrating it all. But God did that. And joy returned to Naomi. A son was born from Boaz and the Moabite widowed Ruth, who now is in the lineage of Jesus. Because we have Boaz, who, let's go on to the next one. It says, and they called his name Obed. He he is the father of Jesse, the father of David, who became King David. So here we have this lemon situation. That everything that could possibly have gone wrong in Naomi's life now comes back around, and in that scripture says he will be famous in all of Israel. You don't think that Obed is a famous name? It's in all the genealogies leading straight to Jesus Christ. And he used a relative and a Moabite enemy woman to do it. 
Church, I don't know about you. I don't know what situation you're in. But if God can do that, he can do it for us. If he can use these people, he can use us. He can take your situation and make it good. He can do it. We just got to believe. Through all these years, we've had loss. We've had situations we've gone through. But you cannot tell me that God isn't working and that God isn't for us. He is. He is. So when life gives you lemons, don't miss the provision of God. Open up your eyes. Get into his word. Surround you with people that will encourage you in God's word. Surround you with people that are going to lift you up, not tear you down. Surround you with people that are not going to let you continue to be Mara, but bring you back to Naomi. Those are the type of people we need to surround ourselves with. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You know what? We may not understand what God is doing, but we've just got to trust him. We've got to trust him with our children. We've got to trust him with our finances. We've got to trust him with our jobs. We've got to trust him with our health. Everything that we have, we've just got to lay out our hands and say, God, I trust you with it. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust you. We've got to trust him with all of our heart and not think about it ourselves. Psalms 9 and 10 says this, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Our God is not going to forsake us. Our God is not going to forget us. We may go through a season, we may go through a time, but God has a plan. Keep after him, keep seeking him, keep going his way, and he's going to do what only he can do. Psalms 20 and 7 says this, trust in chariots and summon horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We have to trust in him. Romans eight twenty eight says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Church, do you know today that our God loves you? I pray that you know that today. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're facing, our God loves you. He loves you, and he's got a plan that he's trying to work together. It may take some time to do that. Some things don't just fix in one moment. He may have to orchestrate some things, but God has a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got something for you. We've just got to keep our eyes on him. So when life doesn't go as planned, when life gives us lemons, we have to choose to make lemonade. Whether you like lemonade or not, make something good out of it. Make something good out of the situation you're going through. God may use you in it afterwards. After you've passed through that season, God may use you to help somebody else who's going through that season, who's going through that situation. Make something good of it. Make that lemonade. Get that water bottle, pour in that little packet and shake it up and see what God will do. Will you pray with me? I told you I'd get you out of here fast. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you for who you are. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in each one of our lives. 
God, I thank you for this story of Ruth and Naomi that would encourage us, Lord, though Naomi lost everything, everything this world can give, she lost it. But she had you. And she had a daughter-in-law that wasn't willing to give up. And God, I thank you for this example. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And God, I pray for whoever in this room is having situations where they have just been handed a whole bowl full of lemons. God, I pray that you would just show them. Encourage them. Minister to their heart right now to know what to do with that. God, they're not empty-handed. We have you. God, we have you. We have the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We are not left alone. But God, I just pray for heavy hearts this morning, Lord, that they will leave here lighter, knowing that you are working for them, that you are not against them. And God, I just lift up every need that's represented in this place today. And I just pray encouragement, Lord, that they would begin to open their eyes and see the salvation of the Lord. Open their eyes and see the provision. Open the eyes and see the people around them that are cheering them on, that are encouraging them, that are loving them. God, help us to see you. Help us to see all that you're doing in us and through us, Lord. God, I just thank you for who you are today. I thank you, Lord, that you can make good even out of my situation. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.